Hey there, you made it to the Take Nothing When I Die podcast. I am your host, Stephanie Ghostin Paul, and I'm excited to share with you this episode. Take Nothing When I Die amplifies and celebrates the wisdom and genius of people who've managed multiple careers in one lifetime. Hey, y'all, it's episode 14 of the Take Nothing When I Die podcast. As I said, I'm your host, Stephanie Ghostin-Paul, and I am so excited that you are listening. I've been releasing episodes weekly, so you're literally getting double the content, double the wisdom, double the gems from Take Nothing When I Die this month because we're leading up to the mid-season mark. I know, for those of y'all who've been rocking with us, from the very beginning in January, it has been four full months of such great words from folks all over the country in all different kinds of industries on all different kinds of topics. I'm excited that you're joining us here today and just want to remind you kind of where we've been. If you haven't listened to episode one, definitely go back and hear how this whole thing started, including the inspiration behind the podcast and how it works. And you probably already know that because you're listening now. If you check out episode two, you'll hear from Amanda Spann on her journey from PR to breaking into the tech industry. If you're dealing with maybe a couple of life crises, maybe 25 to be exact, you probably want to check out episode five with Jordan Hills. She walks us through all of that and more. Melinda Weeks Laidlow gave us the scoop in episode seven on doing the work our soul must have. You must check out the episode if you want to hear more about that. If you're struggling with how to set healthy boundaries, you need kind of a one-on-one crasher course. Episode 10 is for you. It's all about setting healthy boundaries. And of course, we can't forget Arlen Hamilton from episode 12. Get her book right now. It's called It's About Damn Time. And it is full of wisdom, funny quotes, her humor. You just don't want to miss it. So get it, please, right now. It is on pre-order and it's probably back ordered. Just put in the order today so you can get it. At some point in the near future, you do not want to miss her words. So today is episode 14 and we have a very interesting guest. And I think you'll learn so much from her her work, her partner, and her travels. But before we actually get to our interview, my call to action for you all today is to leave a review. If you go onto Apple Podcasts, you can favorite this podcast and also leave a five-star review. Let us know what have you learned? What stood out? What have you applied over the last couple of months? We would love to hear from you through that review. There have been a number of folks who've taken just a couple of minutes to express their gratitude and to tell us what it is that they love about the Take Nothing When I Die podcast. So be sure to join that illustrious group of folks. Some people do not listen on Apple Podcasts. Totally get it. Like us, subscribe, favorite us on your platform of choice, and make sure you pull up to Instagram and Twitter to build some community with us. On Twitter, it's just T-N-W-I-D. And on Instagram, it's all spelled out, take nothing when I die. There is wonderful community, lots of meme sharing, and also some pretty cool videos 
in case you want to interact and connect between episodes. Also, don't forget to check out the show notes. If you go to my site, stephanieghostin.com backslash T-N-W-I-D, you will find all of the information about all of the guests, including everything mentioned in the episode. So whether it's a link or a book recommendation or a doodle or a meme, perhaps, if you don't want to miss it, check out those show notes. Okay, enough of me talking about all of the non-episode 14 things. Time to get to our episode 14 things. So today's guest is Sherry Chin Young Caston of World Peace Connection. If I could pick someone who is living out and fully embodying the Take Nothing When I Die mission, I would say it probably would be her and her partner. Like they could be the poster folks for Take Nothing When I Die. Not only can she give specifics on how to find and do what you love, I just love the integrity and the alignment with her own life. She's actually done it herself and she teaches others how to do that. She does that both in a national context and a domestic level and in an international context. So I just appreciate how clear and specific she is about her path, even though even today it's still full of unknowns. This episode is definitely going to bless you. I just know it. But first, let me give you her bio so we can get her official, official details. Shari, adventurous peacemaker and founder of the World Peace Connection. After quitting their jobs in 2015, Shari and Dane served in local communities during their two-year-long backpacking journey in Southeast Asia. In the midst of following their own inspirations of traveling and helping others, they turned it into their profession by developing their nonprofit organization called World Peace Connection. World Peace Connection's mission is to help individuals put action behind their inspiration while getting others to join them by answering their infamous question, what inspires you the most about life and living? Through this question, they've collected over 200 inspiring stories in over 25 different cities while funding over eight different international projects. In recent works, they've been recognized for creating an innovative curriculum called Peace Projects that's designed for companies, schools, and entrepreneurs who are looking to put action behind their inspiration. World Peace Connection has started a new project called Common Unity, taking two high school graduates to a one-week cross-cultural leadership trip in Bogota, Colombia. World Peace Connection has been featured for their impactful works and community contributions from different platforms, such as Build Your Own Brand, Impact 46, Huffington Post, Black and Abroad, YNPN Atlanta 30 Under 30, New York University, Discovery High School, Central Gwinnett High School, just to name a few. Here is our interview. Okay, we're live. Thank you for being a guest on the show. I'm so excited to have you on the Take Nothing When I Die podcast. Yes, I'm excited as well. So first, let everybody know, where are you in the world? And then <laughs> let know how you're doing for real, for real. Like, give us the real version of what's going on with you. All right. What's up, guys? I am Shari Chin Young Kasten. Long, long name. I know. But right now, my husband and I, we are in Budapest, Hungary, 
and we are on a mission to create world peace. And how am I doing? Wow. So we've been traveling for about 51 days. And right now I got my wisdom tooth pulled. So I am physically not feeling the best, but mentally I feel amazing. I'm actually living out my dream and my purpose. I feel like I'm actually cooler than I thought I would be in my 20s, you know? And my friend told me that the other day, like, I'm reflecting and I'm thinking, wow, I'm actually cooler than I thought I would be in my 20s. So that's how I'm feeling right now. That's a good thing to note, though. You're cooler now than you were in your 20s. Like, at least it's not the other way around. You know, you don't want to be declining. You want to be getting better. So I, I appreciate yeah. So we'll hop right into the questions. So I'm sure you all have been traveling for 51 days. Maybe the question comes up sometimes, and I'm sure in the United States it also does, this question of what do you do? And it seems so simple and so straightforward, and yet it's not. So Mm -mm. on a scale of one to 10, how much do you dislike that question, what do you do? 10 is I absolutely hate it, and I want to punch the next person who says it. And number one is like, I love being asked this question. This is the only question I want to be asked ever again. I think I'm not like a, a three, only because sometimes I don't even know what I do myself. <laughs> so <laughs> it changes. It changes pretty often. And I have those moments of questioning like, man, what am I doing? What are we doing? Is this filling our purpose? Are we you know, you look back at the bank account and you're like, wow, are we making enough to survive? So I, I love those checkpoints with people. I think it gets annoying when it comes from someone that you love the most. So like when your family members are asking that, but it does uh, something in your brain, right? It, it switches the reality. I'm like, okay, what am I doing? What do I really do? So I'm going to give it a three. I like it, but I dislike it, but I like it. <laughs> like it, dislike it, like so when your loved one asks you, what do you do? You're saying maybe it might be a little higher if someone that you love is asking you. Instead mm-hmm. of that question, what would you like your loved one to ask you? And then go ahead and answer that question for us. Okay, so I have 11 sisters and they are all older than me and they check in on me very often. And I'm very appreciative of my sisters. It's almost as if I have like 12 moms, 11 sisters and my mom. And you know, you can't get upset when you, I'm the youngest. So they're asking me, what are you doing? How are you feeling? Like, how can I help? And sometimes it's overwhelming because half the time, I feel like they know when I'm in the middle of something. I feel like they, they have this thing about them. <laughs> so they call me when I'm right in the middle of something. So I think I would prefer them to ask me, do you have time right now to talk? I think the question you ask, like, how are you really doing? Like, where's your headspace at? I think those questions are better to then jump jump into like okay so what are you doing what do you really do how are you feeling so let me answer that question how am I feeling where my headspace is right now it's in a moment of transition because while we're traveling we're constantly picking up our bags packing dropping our bags off unpacking Um, so it's in a moment of amazing transition but it's also a feeling of we pre-planned a lot of it so we get to scratch off a lot of things that we've accomplished so it feels really good to know that we plan something and we're actually accomplishing it. And also there's some surprises along the route. Like there's some countries that we didn't even, like Budapest, we didn't have no idea we were going we to end up here. So I, I love setting those goals. And I also love my family checking in on me. 
thank you for sharing that. I know too, sometimes our family like launches in and they're trying to be helpful, <laughs> but you're like, I don't have the space. I do not have the capacity. <laughs> this is not the time. I totally get it. So think about this question. It, the context for it is when we are young or when we see younger folks, we ask them this question all the time. And then it seems like after a while, we stop asking this question. So I wanted to pose a question to you. What do you want to be when you grow up? Oh my gosh, you know how much I dislike this question. This, this is the question I need to have on the scale of one to 10. So as Dana and I travel, we ask people the question, what inspires you the most about life and living? And we took this question to over 20 different countries, but we also prefaced it with, do you remember that question when people ask you, what do you want to be when you grow up? We always tell them, that's not what we're asking. We're asking you, what inspires you right now in this moment? What is something that you feel like you can accomplish and you're driven by in this moment, in this season? Because I think asking the question, what do you want to be when you grow up is so unfair because we're constantly growing, we're constantly learning. And it's really hard for me specifically to, to tell you what I want to be when I grow up. I can like have a vision of who I aspire to be, but what I want to be, girl, I get, I don't know about that one. That, that question should be forbidden from all books, all speeches, everything. And, you know, I work with students, so they, they get nervous when they answer that question. That's one of the biggest questions that people, that stop people from going to college, that stop people from applying to jobs. It's just, I don't know about that one. So this one is a 10. The initial question was a three. <laughs> exactly. This one is a major 10. No, I appreciate that. It's been really interesting. I've asked every guest the same set of questions. And this, the answer for all these questions is completely different. So whereas you're like, don't ever ask this question again, some people have a clear sense <laughs> of the what. So they'll still tell me, oh, it's this, this, and this. Or some people have been like, mm -hmm. um, they've answered the question in terms of who they want to be or what they want to be. So one guest answered, I think this was mm -hmm. episode two with Amanda. She was like, I want to be at peace. And I was like blown away by that answer. And I just wondered like, if we phrased it differently or if we asked a different question, what is inspiring you in the moment? Similar to the question you and your husband asked, what are the different outcomes that we can have? And what are the different like gifts that we can cultivate and inspire in people, particularly young folks? So if that question is setting mm -hmm. them on a particular path or deterring them from a different path, how do we shift that so that a, a five-year-old could answer like, I, I want to be at peace, you know, or I want to be prolific or I don't know, right? Like all, a, a B answer instead of a do answer. Or a who answer. A who answer. There we go. Who mm -hmm. do you want to be when you grow up? Maybe that's how the question should be shifted. Like, yeah, who, I don't know. <laughs> I just try to run away from that question very often. <laughs> I feel you. So when you think about what it's taken to get to this point, so I'm, I heard you say you all have put these plans into action. You're asked, what do you do? Or what do you want to be? Who do you want to be when you grow up? And you're still sometimes figuring that out. Can you talk to us a little bit about the process of getting to where you are today? Because I think some folks kind of struggle, whether they're in the middle of living out their purpose or they're on the way to, they struggle to kind of explain it to somebody else or like, package it in a way that other people can process. So can you talk mm -hmm. to us about what it's, like, it's been like for you to go through that packaging or that process? Wow, that's a loaded one. Uh, okay, so 
with the World Peace Connection, we started off in 2015. And we, we merely just started off by just asking people the question, what inspires you the most about life and living? We started it because it was a question that was asked to us. And we truly and honestly wanted to spark that inspiration for others. I was working at a talent agency and my husband was a stylist and we were playing ourselves. I thought I wanted to live in Hollywood and we did. We lived in Hollywood, we lived in LA. We achieved these goals and dreams that we thought we wanted. And when we got them, we were like, this is not what we actually want. So the important thing of this question is to recognize that we, we were trying to figure out our purpose, but we didn't know what it was until we had to actually go through the journey of it. So because we were asked this question, we wanted to share it with others. So we quit our jobs. And I don't want to say this because people will say, I quit my job and then I became so successful. No, we quit our jobs with a plan knowing that we were going to quit our jobs. So we were quitting six months before we quit. Mm. So we decided one day that we're going to, six months from now, we're going to quit our jobs. So that means we had savings to decide. And we said, whatever much money we're having this day, we're going to fly out. So we did that and we flew out to Hong Kong. And then from there, we traveled to about 12 countries in Southeast Asia, passing the question along. And we came back home and we recognized that, wow, people abroad were very fulfilled with this question. We shared their stories, but our family and our friends back home are still lingering with what inspires them, what's their purpose, what keeps them going. So that's when we decided to work with high school students as well as create workshops. Um, so we create workshops to help people identify their inspiration and help people to put an action plan behind it. And then from there, that's when we were here now, decided to go backpacking in Europe. So I think to try to understand like what your purpose is and uh, the process of your inspiration, it takes trying, it takes failing, it takes, for me, it took traveling. And it really took me answering this question, what inspires me? And know that it's not going to be an answer that's going to remain the same in this season right now, in these next 30 days, what is something that I'm willing to put my whole heart in? What is something that I'm willing to put an action plan behind? And then the hardest step is to do it. Mm. And once you decide to do it, invite an account accountability partner. Some people need, need to blast it on social media. If you need to post it on social media saying, this is what I'm doing to hold yourself accountable, do that. Some people need to invite their partner. Like I have my partner with me. Some people need to tell their best friend, but I think once you start to recognize your inspiration and then you recognize, I'm going to put an action plan behind it, and then you actually do it, then that's where you start to see purpose and inspiration and fulfillment. Thank you for walking us through that process. It's so clear to me, but I also am hearing you say like, the doing is hard, like actually doing it. Yeah. Yes. Because when you plan something and it doesn't look like what you wrote on the paper, if you're anything like me, I'm a seven on an Enneagram. I don't know if you guys are into yeah. that. <laughs> but I'm a seven on an Enneagram, so I'm very enthusiastic. I have this huge fear of missing out, like huge fear of missing out. So I try to get everything done as much as I can. And when it doesn't look like the way I want it to look, it almost feels like a failure. But then I have to remind myself, okay, you set this goal. And yes, it was accomplished. But in that middle ground of it, if you try to make it your plan, then you had no, no room for God to intervene. You had no room for success to intervene. You was trying to make it what you wanted. Mm. And I had to learn to 
create this skeleton and also had have room for success, have room for failures, have room for friends, inspiration, for purpose, for for all these other things that can then make my goal ten times more accomplishable. That is powerful. I I just appreciate you sharing. For folks who are stuck between the doing and the accountability piece, what you just shared is powerful. Like leaving the room for something to emerge is we we're bad planners okay as humans like we're like okay i'm gonna do a b c and then it doesn't happen we freak out because we haven't planned for j k l like we're bad predictors so let it unfold and it usually turns out better than you thought of in the first place but we're thinking like inside this small Mm -hmm. box when there's so much more in store for us out there if we let it happen now tell us when you think about whether you're at the talent agency or it's as a workshop leader any other roles that you've had have you had a favorite thing that you're doing whether it's like a skill set that you're cultivating or an actual role and if you don't have a favorite role because some people are like i didn't have any favorite roles what is the most surprising thing you've learned from transition it seems like transition is a, a theme throughout your life and the things that you're doing so either favorite role or most surprising thing learned from a transition i think I, I was just speaking with um, a traveler in the laundromat that, uh, today about this. He was telling me he took the leap to move abroad and he's waiting on that moment, that epiphany, that eat, pray, love moment. He was like, it's been three weeks. I don't feel it. And I had to then reflect on that moment when I moved abroad and I was like looking for something, looking for change. And then it didn't hit until I went back home. And I recognize that reverse culture shock has been the most surprising thing that I've endured. When you're in a moment of transition, sometimes your body goes through shock and it goes through survival. So when you're in these foreign countries, everything's new from the, from the way you wake up, from the way you brush your teeth, from the covers that you put over yourself, the air that you breathe in, every single thing is new. So sometimes your brain doesn't have enough um, room to reflect and enough room to recognize what's happening, what's what's growing in your body until you go to a familiar place. And the first time I experienced reverse culture shock is when I came back home from our 15 country journey. And I was like, wow, I'm such an American. Like I am that person that I was trying not to be. And I saw it in my friends. I saw it in my family. I saw it in my social media thread. Like I was trying to become a person that wasn't that person, but I was really still that person because of my surroundings were the same. And um, I, I highly encourage people to get out their own way and to travel. And when you hear travel, don't think international. It doesn't always have to be international, but challenge yourself to go talk to your neighbor and sit in an unfamiliar space. I can't tell you how many of my friends don't even know their neighbors' names or even step inside their house, you know? So it's just like my true belief is like if you want to grow, if you want to change, if you want to endure your purpose, you have to put yourself in an unfamiliar situation to then be successful. And traveling has literally changed my life. Like I'm addicted, truly addicted to traveling. But coming back home is is the bigger challenge, is to see the things that you wrote in your journal. Are you really that person? That's that's the hardest part. It's coming back home, coming back to your best friend, or coming back to your your parents, and coming back to your social media thread. If you're coming back to a job, 
challenging yourself to see if you actually grew. Hmm. Have there been times where you've noticed that the gap between those selves, your, your, your abroad self, and then your at home self, um, have you noticed when there have been gaps? And if you have, what have you done to close that gap or like get more back in alignment with the person that you saw yourself as when you were traveling? So, uh, yeah, like even when I'm abroad, I, um, I create this person that I, I think I want to be. And sometimes I fail and I become the person who I am back at home, which is entitled and privileged. And um, I have moments when I'm abroad and I'm in like these third world countries and I'm like complaining in my head that there's no catch up. Mm. And then I look around and I'm like, <laughs> you're complaining, there's no catch up. So, you, you know, you have those, those moments where you have to like flip and be like, whoa. For instance, I went to Ghana this, this December and just going back to the motherland and then seeing people who are hustling. You know, when we think of entrepreneurs back in the States, we think of somebody who's glorified, somebody who made it, somebody who has the money and they're super smart. But then when you go to third world countries, you recognize being an entrepreneur is a survival skill. Either you're an entrepreneur or you, or you working for somebody that's definitely doing something that you don't want to do. So when I went to Ghana, when I reflect back on Asia and I see these people working for themselves and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm like this glorified entrepreneur in the States. But the reality is here, this is their survival skill. Like this is how you get around. This is how you feed your family. There are some women who travel to the market. They take, it takes like two to three hours to get to the market for them to sell carrots. And then I'm like, I catch myself like bothering with them. Like, no, I don't want to pay a dollar for this. Sell it to me for 75 cents. I'm like, why? You have the dollar in your pocket. Just give it to her. Give her the dollar. But it's tough. It's really tough. It's, it's tough to balance travel world. It's tough to balance spirituality. Just knowing what you feel is intuitive and what's not intuitive. And then also trying to be cautious and protect yourself. You know, when you go to an unfamiliar place, naturally your body protects you. Your brain protects you. But then you start to do other things to protect yourself. And that can also hinder your growth. So there's, there's, there's many gaps. And when you get back home and you want to share these stories, and sometimes I don't even have the energy to share the things that I learn. Like I have zero energy to break it down to somebody who has, not to call them ignorant, but ignorant in a sense that they don't know. So I, I can't explain. I don't have enough words to paint the picture. That's been one of my biggest challenges is being a, a storyteller in a sense that you can feel like you're there with me and I'm not demeaning you or I'm not undermining you, but I'm also like allowing you to experience something with me for the first time as well. And that's, I applaud all storytellers for that. Yeah. When you think about the difference and you, you named it as ignorance and, and in the sense that they just don't know for folks who aspire to do the things that you're doing, whether it's taking a leap or becoming an entrepreneur or saying, I'm going to live my purpose no matter what it looks like. What would you say to those folks who are like, that's good for you, but what about me, right? Like, I think sometimes people think you have a special gene or like this special skill. <laughs> what do you think it is about you that separates you from the people who are at the jobs that they hate when they don't have to be there or having a plan, but never executing? What, what have you cultivated? What is it about you yeah. that, that you think sets you apart? Oh, man. That question is hard because I, I do the same thing, you know, 
the travel industry is is a um, competitive industry, especially when you're trying to get work. And I'm guilty of looking at other people and like, what they got that I don't got. Like, <laughs> and then I look at them like, oh, okay, they got that. That's the reason why they got that job. And then mm. I have to sit and reflect and like, you're hating. You're yeah. absolutely hating. You're not looking at your value of yourself and you're comparing yourself to this other person who probably deserved their their award. And the, the advice I would give to someone who may look at my life and, and think that it's like something that they want to be a part of or something that they want to do as well, I would say, have you asked yourself what inspires you? If it is travel and service, then your next step is, does my action plan look like this person I want to be like? Am I willing to quit my job? Am I willing to back, live out of a backpack? Am I willing to not see my family for eight months out of the year? Am I willing to not have health insurance? Like, am I willing to do these things? And then you check back with yourself and you say, okay, so then what is my action plan? And who is my tribe that I want to be a part of? And if it is me, reach out, call me. Send me a DM because I would be happy to walk you through the things that I went through and just give you all the places I stayed at. I think that's that's really big in the now social media world is that we have access to connect to so many people. And I know the game of like, it feels intimidating. Like, I want to be just like her or I just want her to say hi. I just want her to like my picture. And we all played that game. But then when you actually sit and you connect with somebody and you reach out and say, I just want to know you or I have a couple of questions, I think it will help you recognize that you already have it within you. Because sometimes when I reach out to people where I feel like they know so much and then I, I ask them a question and they tell me something I already know, I get so frustrated. <laughs> I'm like, I thought you had all the gems. I thought you had all the answers. And then I have to sit back and reflect, like, that's because I already knew. It's already inside of me. Why am I trying to reach out to this whole other human to give me the answers that is already embedded in me? And I, I, I believe that happens often. So we reach out to people and you get mad that they don't give you the answer that you want to hear. <laughs> it's a reflection of what you already know. Yeah. Yeah. exactly exactly but we don't want to believe it there's yeah. moments where we don't want to believe it but like oh they just being stingy with their information <laughs> like nah girl i'm gonna tell you everything but you just gotta apply yourself now i feel you so speaking of gems and like exclusive gems the whole yeah. point of the show is really we know we can't take anything with us when we die and so part of the inspiration for this podcast was me finding this less brown quote about the graveyard being the richest place on the earth. So he says the graveyard is the richest place on the earth. It's here that you'll find the hopes and dreams that were never fulfilled, the books that were never written, the songs that were never sung, the inventions never shared, right? On and on and on. So when you think about the fact that you can't take anything with you when you die, share with us, please, what's the most expensive gem, piece of wisdom, advice, or thing you don't want to take with you to the grave. And it can be expensive in whatever way you want to think about it. People have shared like, it's expensive in what I paid for it or the lesson that I learned. What do you want to leave folks with um, that will not make the graveyard a richer place? Oh man, uh, I have so many. This is, this is a small little gem that changed my life. 
and it, it, it can sound very fluffy, but once I decided that I was going to dedicate my life to like travel and influence their lifestyle, I didn't recognize that nobody's going to come knocking at your door, right? Sometimes people will, but you actually have to pitch to people. Like if anybody's listening to this and they want to be a social media influencer or they want to be a traveler, or you want to get free flights, whatever, don't think that your 10K or 12K people are just going to start sliding through your DMs. But the big thing is you have to learn to package yourself. And don't be afraid of that word either. You have to be able to package yourself, meaning articulate everything that you do in the email and actually shoot the shots. My husband always say, you miss every shot that you don't take, right? And I'm still in the battle of struggling with like, do I want to pitch to them? Do I have the energy to pitch? Or you have to, you have to learn to pitch yourself. And once you start to pitch who you are and you'll start to get better, then then you'll start finding those exact words of what you do and what you have to offer to this specific uh, company. And I'm also learning that you actually have to work hard. (laughs) You know, a lot of things have um, come really easy for me um, in the sense that I'm good at math and I can figure out things. And a lot of things came really easy during school. And now I'm at a a point where like, there's nobody's great in me. Nobody, not to say nobody cares, but nobody really cares. There's, There's no teacher to check behind you. So you have to set these goals for yourself. And you actually have to work hard. Shocker to the world, right? <laughs> you know the um, the Nike slogan, right? Just do it. Mm-hmm. We hear this very often when we grow up. Um, just do it. Just do it. And it wasn't until like I was like 25 and I recognized like, wow, that's such a powerful statement. Just do it. And granted, there's things that are in our way and a lot of obstacles. But sometimes we have to look at the things that we want to do and make them really small and say that we just do it and, and then put that Nike check while you're like, and then eventually you get to that big, just do it goal of what you're trying to get done. And that's like one of the big things that I've been like trying to battle with. If I just do it, then I'm going to be, I have to do this and have to do this and have to ask myself how bad do you want it if you don't want it bad enough then it ain't gonna come to you so those those are those are some gems pitch yourself just do it and um if you want to build a legacy and you you have this goal and it's just you your goal is not big enough you have to involve people people have to be a part of your strategy they have to be a part of your, your team they have to be a part of your your big legacy goal setting because if it's just you accomplishing this six-figure company or your social media real estate whatever you're trying to do if you believe in your mind that only you can do it your goal is not big enough major gem major that felt expensive that felt like that felt really expensive ten thousand dollars i sign up for my workshop <laughs> leaking bio <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh before we get to that uh point of you sharing where you where you play on the internet anything else you want to share with us just any last thoughts or anything that's come to mind that you wanted to share before we get into where you're at yeah i mean um the people who are listening i challenge you right now to close your eyes take a deep breath and really 
visualize these next words I'm about to say to you, which is what inspires you the most about life and living? And I really want everybody to take the time to think about it and share it with your grandparents, share it with your nieces, your nephew, your mother, the cousin that you don't talk to, and really, really try to put an action plan behind it. Sometimes we can think about who inspires us, a feeling that inspires us. But if we start to pinpoint what inspires us and then what we're willing to do, I love the question because it's like a two-part question. It's like, what inspires you the most about life and living? We're all given life, but it's a choice to live. So if, if your answer is in two parts, think about that you're given this life and you have to make a decision to live. So take your time, spread it to other people, send me the response or don't send me the response. Just write it down. And I also want to mention that, like I said before, you're answer will change daily it can change monthly it can change yearly it can change depending on who you're sitting next to right now but this is a question that can unlock so much tension in your life because if it doesn't measure up to your inspiration then you have no business trying to even be a part of it if it's not aligned with the things that you are called and want to do don't worry about it Ooh, that felt expensive too. That, that felt like another 20. That's like not the 10K level. That's a 20K level. Oh, man. Write the checks. Ooh, that we got to get a sponsor for that. Chari, thank you so much for sharing with us. If people want to find you on the internet, they want to support you, they want to see where you're at on your journey, where can they find you? Uh, you can find um, World Peace Connection at World Peace Connection. And um, that's on Instagram. That's on Twitter. And on our website, worldpeaceconnection.us, you can also find me at Shari, C-H-A-R-I, Chin Young, C-H-I-N-Y-O-U-N-G, Kasten, C-A-S-T-O-N. Before you guys complain that that was so long, I know, it's very long. I kept my name and yeah. Good for you. No, that's, it's not too long. We can memorize all kind of other long, long, long names. Give us all the names because that you deserve it. You, you keep your name. That's what you do. I did the same thing. I'm like Stephanie Lachelle, Ghost and Paul, no hyphen. Don't don't mess it up. Okay. <laughs> Thank you so much again. It was a pleasure having you on, and uh, we'll hope to talk to you soon. Yes. Thank you. All right. Take care. All right. When I say give her her flowers, I mean, do it now, like yesterday, do it like last week. It's too late whenever we're giving her flowers. So I'm just glad that at some point, someone somewhere is going to give her flowers. I'm really racking my brain to think about anyone who's had a more simple yet so profound statement for the take nothing when I die takeaway. The one for this episode is you are given this life and you have to make a decision to live. You're given this life and you have to make a decision to live. So we, we all have lives. We've been given a life, right? But are we actually living? If you're not living, what are you doing? Take heed to Shara's advice and ask yourself, what inspires you most about life and living? 
Get that action plan together, including what you're willing to do and not do to pursue that and who can hold you accountable and then get to it. It's as simple as that. I could talk about this all day, but you know, I got to let y'all go at some point. Do not forget to review when you get a chance. Find us on social media, on Twitter or Instagram or our Patreon community. And if you got it, consider donating to support my work and this podcast through PayPal, Venmo, Cash App. Those links are in the show notes. And with that, it's time to sign off, y'all. I am your host, Stephanie Gilson-Paul. I'm bringing you the Take Nothing When I Die podcast and leaving you with your reminder that you are a living ancestor. Take care of yourselves and take care of each other.